I am Greg, and I'm Christy. Christy, why don't you come over here? <laughs> I'm Christy. Yeah. So um, we, I actually, I think I met Hans Eric just two weeks ago. We may have met once before, but I'm not sure. I don't think so. Anyways, we were in Chicago. That's where we met, and um, so I was really happy that he invited us to come and visit with you. And of course, I know uh, Jim Gatterlin from years past, and Maybe I know somebody else here. I don't know. But anyways, that's, those are some of our connections to you. And uh, maybe we'll establish some more connections as time goes on. Um, I want to read to you from uh, our passage for today. And we're going to take kind of a, a little bit of a fun, quick survey look at it uh, from Jonah, the whole book of Jonah. Okay, And, um, and then we're going to tell you a little bit about what God is doing in Germany, and especially among refugees, and um, and invite you to, however God leads you to play a part in that in some way. So, I'm going to be reading just from the fourth chapter, and beginning in verse 1, it says, But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter. He sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die, and he said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I'm angry enough to die. But the Lord said, You've been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? And here ends our reading. God, we just want to thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us through it that you make it alive, Holy Spirit, and that you have a special message for us today, each person here. We ask, uh, Lord, that you'd help us to receive that. And we ask that Jesus in your name. Amen. So, Easter is over. Or, or is it? Among Jesus' final words after his resurrection are these recorded in John chapter 20, verses 21 to 22. You're on, honey. Okay. So again, Jesus said, <laughs> Peace be with you. Um, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and received, uh, said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So many years ago, in 1987, we attended a missions conference, Urbana, and it was there that we 
first kind of encountered the call of mission. And it was there that we heard this talk about the book of Jonah. It was there that we actually made some connection with the mission agency and received this call from God to go into mission. And, and it was there that we connected up with this agency that eventually we ended up serving with among refugees for three years in Europe. So our, we have three, well, four children you'll see later. Our children are gone, and we feel the Lord's freeing us up to go back to Germany. Um, and um, the story of his motivating heart um, will pass on to you. Hmm. So what's Jonah about? That's so what is Jonah about? So I always thought Jonah is about Jonah, right? Isn't it, isn't it about Jonah? A little bit, a little okay. bit. Okay. Uh, it's about, let's see. It's not about Jonah, it's about the fish, right? We all learned that in Sunday school. It's a little bit, that's in the story. Okay. Let's see, that's not it? Uh, No. Okay. Actually, the book of Jonah is about God, others, and us. And in chapter one, God calls Jonah to preach against Nineveh. Uh huh, Nineveh. So Nineveh is this huge city, the capital city of the Assyrians, the conquering Assyrians. The Assyrians have not been kind to the Jewish people, they have been very much against God, um, pretty evil people. Um, big city, cosmopolitan place, about 500 miles away. Right. Well, funny uh, that this happens, it never ever happens anywhere else, but when God calls Jonah, he actually goes the opposite direction. That never happens to you, does it? Uh-huh. No, I yes. always, always do what God tells me to do. Huh, yeah. Well, um, no, but the, the thing about Jonah is that it appears that God is actually speaks to him, and he does completely the opposite. So that still sounds pretty crazy. Why, yeah. why did he do that? Okay, well, we'll get the answer in chapter 4. But anyway, Jonah gets on a ship. He sails to Tarshish. They encounter a deadly storm. The sailors realize it's because of Jonah's disobedience to God and throw him in the water, at which point everything is made calm again. They respond um, in worshiping the Lord, Jonah's Lord. So they are now worshiping the God that saved them. And God sends a big fish to rescue Jonah. We know the story. It swallowed him up. After three days, he comes to his senses, apologizes, vows to God, whereupon he is vomited up by the fish and proclaims salvation is from the Lord. Okay, so this is, this is the good part of the story. Jonah seems to get it. Salvation is from the Lord, right? So sort Jonah's on to it now. Yes, sort of, sort of. Oh, okay. Well, not really. He's a little slow. Because as we read in the book of Jonah... When Jonah says salvation is from the Lord, it really sounds more like he doesn't really fully get what that means. It sounds more like, thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you for getting me out of this rut, I mean, out of this fish. Thank you, God, for, for you know, being my guy. And it's always about you saving me. And, hey, you did it again. Thanks a, thanks a lot, God. It's you and me, and we're just going through this together. And, hey, me, you, me, yeah, me, me. me. Yeah, seems like that's a struggle for Jonah, but it's also a struggle for us. Can we get beyond ourselves? Well, God is gracious to Jonah, and he's gracious to us. And again, what Jonah proclaims is true. Salvation is from the Lord. That's really what, what many interpreters have, have said. That is the overarching message of this book. Salvation is from the Lord. And God means that salvation, not just for Jonah, not just for us, but for the whole world. God intends for every person to have a chance, to have many chances 
to hear of his grace. And of his heart. Uh, so Jonah dutifully, albeit begrudgingly, goes to Nineveh to people that his people hated, and for good reason. Uh, more or less um, says that they're going to go to hell unless they repent, and he looks forward to it and withdraws then. He assumes that the Ninevites will not repent, of course. Leaves the city and watches from a hill, and no doubt um, is expecting uh, destruction like Sodom and Gomorrah. But to his dismay, um, and God's delight, the people take his message to heart. They repent, and God saves them. And Jonah was more right than he realized, because salvation does come from the Lord. Salvation is intended not for me, for us, but for others, even people we despise, or we think uh, need to be repent themselves. Hmm. My turn again. Yeah. It turns out that Jonah knew God maybe too well. Remember the question, why did Jonah directly disobey God and go the opposite direction? Okay, and so we've read this. Um, he did it because he knew the revelation of God's character from Exodus 34. He knew that God was gracious and kind and compassionate. He knew that God's calling of him to go to the Ninevites might actually reveal God's kindness and salvation to the Ninevites because God is that kind of God. He knew that, and that's why he disobeyed. He didn't want to see that happen. He knew God too well. He's kind of behaving like a brat. Yeah. yeah. But, so anyways, so uh, he goes on to... Um, wait on the Lord, and we, as, we, as we read in chapter 4, he starts to behave like a brat. He gets pretty hot and angry, and God then provides a plant to shade him, not to mention a ton of patience. If I were God, I would have just smote the drip right there. Right, He's just right. a real brat. The plant, however, is also a lesson for Jonah, and God uses it as an analogy to bring a major point home to right. Jonah. So he shades it, uh, the plant shades Jonah, and he loves it. God then says a worm and kills the plant, and Jonah becomes very angry. Uh, God makes his point in the same way that you are concerned, Jonah, to see this plant um, perish. You're so concerned about this little plant that you had nothing to do with its growing. So I'm concerned about the Ninevites who are perishing, and every person, by the way, who, did, who I did give life to. So, and then the Lord leaves Jonah with kind of the rhetorical question, I would say, of all time that echoes in our hearts today. Should I not be concerned? Should I not deeply care for those who haven't been saved? Should I not love the world as much as I would send my only begotten son? And so now, Jonah, and you, friends of God, the same question is asked of us. Should I, God, not be concerned? Should we not be concerned? And it's a question that um, we ask ourselves all the time. We need to ask ourselves all the time. Should we not have the same concern that God has? This God who is the missionary. God is the one who initiates all of this action towards those who he loves and who he's reaching out towards. This is the message of Jonah, of the book of Jonah. Certainly not the message of Jonah himself, but of the book of Jonah. Should I not be concerned? So we're concerned, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm concerned about my family, those around us, our town, our people, 
in our areas. So we're concerned around about those near us, but the message of Jonah is also to be concerned about those that are far from us, those that are not of our tribe. And that is why uh, we are planning, by God's grace and with your support and so forth, um, with others, the support of others, to go to a place um, that is in great need and then in many ways is like a modern-day Nineveh. So we're going to... We've got a few things to show um, for you. And um, I just came back from Germany about three weeks ago, was able to uh, see firsthand stuff that we'd seen a few years ago there. And, um, and essentially what we're going to do is to, we're going to Germany to declare God's glory. Um, we read about that in our psalm. But to declare his glory among the nations his marvelous works among the peoples, because that's where people are congregating. The nations are congregating in Berlin. And it's just amazing what God is doing. And that's, if I want to say anything today, I want to say God is doing incredible, amazing things right now in Europe. It's a real movement of God. It doesn't mean that there's instantly zillions of Christians, but there is a zillion movements of God, of the Holy Spirit. So, um, I want to tell you a little bit about us, too. So, this is a little bit about our journey. Um, we, uh, I, I basically, I went to uh, Cal Poly. I thought, I've met a few Cal Poly people here. And I uh, had, also? Yeah, okay, all right. So, um, anyways, Cal Poly, uh, I had basically a crisis of faith and a crisis of purpose. Um, I didn't really believe, and so then I, I thought I was an atheist, and so I searched all the different religions, spent about a year and a half really intensely like pursuing what is true. And eventually, um, long story short, came to faith and had a pretty uh, dramatic conversion experience. Eventually, Drew came along, my friend. He was my roommate as a freshman, right? Um, God was up to stuff with us. Anyways, um, after that, I sensed an immediate call in, into mission stuff. But finished my degree, went on to engineering, um, but just before I did, I took a bicycle trip through Europe for about three months. So I was really excited about my faith and was looking forward to visiting all the churches in Europe and talking with Christians, except that I couldn't find any. There were hardly any Christians. The churches were empty. And I was really shaken by that. And I remember God just dropping like a little seed in my heart. It's like, you might be coming back here. Okay, whatever. Um, life went on. Uh, Christy and I met, we got married, we, we both had hearts for mission stuff and um, went to this Urbana thing and, and then we ended up going with a mission agency and then eventually went to seminary and ended up going then with Covenant World Mission and, and since then have been a uh, pastor for a number of years um, here in California, we're in California. So our kids, as Christy said, uh, are older now and they're out of the house at least, I don't know if they're really older. <laughs> And, um, but God has just opened up the doors for us to return to Germany. So, so who we are, uh, I'm a school teacher. Oh, does that work for me? Okay. Just. I won't, I won't use my teacher voice. Anyways, I'm a, a fourth grade teacher. And I work in Richmond, inner city, and uh, my heart beats for the inner city um, at-risk child. And uh, Greg has been pastor. We live in Santa Rosa. That's where our house is. 
And um, <clears throat> we have three children from my womb and then one more child that we adopted, Nicholas. Just click a couple more. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, so they're, they're done now. Um, we're empty nesters and Laura, this is her graduation from the Air Force Academy. Uh, Eric's the one on the far right. He's a sophomore at Westmont College. And so we feel freed up to return to Germany, and mm -hmm. in particular to work with refugees. Mm -hmm. So this is us at Christmas time. This is Greg, and then Nicholas, uh, Eric, that's our youngest, that's me, Laura, and then Jason. And he's, he's graduating at Cal Berkeley, and I'll be graduating in a few weeks from, um, to get my master's in education. So where are we going? Um, a little bit about where we're going. We're going to uh, Eastern Berlin. Um, you should just kind of keep clicking on there, Brian. Um, so Eastern Berlin is a world city of profound influence. Um, it's really like a modern-day Nineveh, very cosmopolitan, people streaming in there. As you know, Germany has taken on over a million refugees, so it's got the, by far the highest refugee population of any place in Europe. Um, it's also very much in the East. Why would we go to Germany? Um, what I'm going to say is that there is a tremendous spiritual need, in, especially in the eastern part of Germany, which was, um, of course, communist uh, held for many years and many generations. Um, and I think this brings up something for us about mission in general. I, I've noticed this. I've led a lot of mission trips to Mexico, been involved in mission. But what's happened in some, to some degree, I would say, is that we have associated mission with material need. But the spiritual need is really the ultimate need. And a mission to Germany is, obviously, there's no wells to dig and no little houses to build and things like that that are good. But there's a tremendous spiritual need. We really need to do the, the complete re-evangelization of, of Europe and especially of Germany. The University of Chicago conducted a study uh, not too long ago, a few years ago, and it was looking to pinpoint what is the most atheist, most godless place on earth, and they landed on East Germany, the most godless place on earth. It is worthy, worthy of re-evangelization. So that's a reason. Another reason is that the spirit is really at work among the small number of Christians that there are in, in Germany, especially in East Germany. The little picture on the left here is um, it's, it's a round-the-clock prayer house. So when I went there three weeks ago, I, we drove around the, the city in the section where we're going to be, and it, tucked in this little back area is this old barrack. It's a, actually an old army barrack. And God has called people there that are they're saying, you know, we have a heart for the city, God, because you have a heart for the city, and we, we're praying 24-7 for this because it's not going to happen except by prayer. Uh, I, I was so moved by that, right? Um, it was just saying, like, okay, God is at work here. We can, we're, we're called to join him in this, right? Um, this picture here is of uh, a Bible study. It's kind of a stock photo, so it's not the real thing, because I couldn't, I, was, I visited a Bible study like this, but I couldn't take pictures. Yeah, and so, but they are, but they are reaching out to the the many Muslims and other refugees that are coming into the country. So the, the Spirit of God is at work among the small group of people. Another reason, our help is gratefully welcomed. Um, 
I was very warmly received and stayed with ver various families, and they were thrilled to have us. Um, so another reason. A fourth reason is, um, it'll come up here, one more, there. Germany has the most refugees in Europe, and many of them are from Muslim backgrounds. It's amazing what God has opened up, the opportunity that God has opened up there. Uh, we could not go to the places where m most of these refugees come from and, and openly speak about Jesus. But um, this is what it looks like. I experience these sorts of things, visiting various um, refugee places. There's so many of them all over the place. Um, it's amazing. And, and a refugee is also in a time of their life when they're open to change. I mean, there's so many people who struggle to get their visas in Thailand or different closed countries to reach the believers, uh, to reach non-believers. And here the refugees are coming right to Europe. So they're right there. They're right ready for uh, transition. So. And this is kind of a last reason. Um, one more click there. there. Um, the Germany's influence may once again be Christian. I mean, Germany is a very influential country. We have our faith, in essence, to... Uh, we kind of owe... I don't want to say we owe it to them, but... We are, are in some sense, uh, recipients of the German influence um, of faith as Protestants. And, um, and Germany, of course, is, exerts influence in so many other areas. Um, they have an amazing ability to go after truth and excellence and so forth. And I think my hope and many other people's hope is that Germany will once again once again embrace the grace of Christ and become a world influence um, in Christianity again. So, um, Those are just um, some reasons for uh, why we would go there. Chrissy's going to talk a little bit about who we're going to work with. Right, so we are not going to be going <clears throat> maverick on our own, uh, with our own agenda. We are with the covenant. We've... Um, we were with the Covenant before, and we're um, oh, still with the Covenant, but as missionaries. And I'm, I'm really proud of what the Covenant's doing. I didn't realize how much the Covenant is on the cutting edge of doing um, social justice and that sort of thing. Anyway, so we're sent out from the Covenant, and then we'll be working the picture on the far right. That's um, the German denomination. So they, there's a denomination in Germany similar to the Covenant. So we'll be under their leadership and... Um, we are accountable to you and the churches here still in the States. So we'll be there essentially to encourage and strengthen and help the local church because it's really um, the local church that, that does long-term mission. Um, it's where mission gets integrated and, and people get integrated. And so, um, so we'll be working with, um, there's a guy up there at the top right, Timo. Timo is a guy that um, I was able to disciple in our first year in Berlin. He came as a 19-year-old new believer to, into this little church plant. And um, so I met with him every week, encouraged him to go to seminary, he did. And, and then he went back to Berlin, started a church, and he's recruited us to come back. Um, so amazing circle of God type of story. Um, so this is their, their church. Um, I mean... They're not huge, but they have such a passion for mission and for God. And you can see that in some of these pictures, kids' things. Um, the little picture on the bottom right is um, a group of pastors. I met with these pastors. Um, 
they represent a huge area. There are so few Christians. These are like, there was, there's a couple pastors missing, so maybe eight pastors, six to eight pastors, representing an area which I don't even know how to describe how large it would be, maybe half the size of San Francisco. That's it in terms of the eastern, one eastern section of the city of Berlin. Um, but I'd like you to hear um, one of these pastors. Um, if you click on the next one there. Okay, I'm here with Peter, Peter, and Johannes. And um, I'm just going to ask them the question, why anyone should come to Berlin, come to Germany? So they've got something to say. Hello, dear brothers and sisters in the United States. Um, I'm pastor here in Berlin, and uh, to be honest, we are a rich country. We have many good things here in Germany, but inside the church, we are suffering. We are working hard, and we are uh, trying to bring down the strongholds, especially here in Berlin. We live in a stronghold of atheism, and we need your help. We, we need your help. We need your, your uh, missionaries to come to Berlin to help us, to support us. First, to encourage us to lift mm -hmm. up our hands. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we really become tired. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a... Yeah, we need encouragement. Mm -hmm. And on the other, other hand, you are such a blessed country in a spiritual uh, realm and we, we, we need you here. We need your, your, your preaching, we need your teaching. Uh, Berlin is open for you and uh, we are open for you and we encourage you. Come, send your people, support them with money. We will support as we can, but we need you very, very much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Johannes, you have anything you want to add? Yeah. Um, I'll just say that Johannes uh, leads or is in charge of a house of prayer. Uh, in Berlin, where people, what's well, 24/7 prayer for Berlin? Yeah, yeah. All I can say um, is what Peter mm -hmm. said before is mm -hmm. totally true. We need missionaries here. A lot of people from all over the world, especially from the United States. Um, we have seen in the past that there were missionaries from the United States coming to our city and helping to build churches, to build houses of prayers, mm -hmm. and which always had a great impact in our city and in our prayer life and our church, um, which is really great. And so, um, would be would be great if you support um, Greg's family um, to come to Berlin. Yeah. We need them here. Yeah. Thank you. And we need to learn from, e from you. So thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, they, again, they are really happy to have us come and help. Um, we're also there to build relationships in the community. And Chrissy's going to say a little bit about that, too. So they have... Um there's a school, and um, there are so many refugees that are there, so many, that they take, um, and in the Eastern Bloc, many people just fled. They didn't want to be in the East anymore. It wasn't as nice as the West. So they're taking old schools, and they're just putting hundreds of families in there, refugee families. So there's lots to do, even if I, I mean, I probably teach English. I'm an English teacher. And there's also, like, a little storefront that someone in the States has um, purchased for the purpose of this little area to teach English. And have an effect. But these are some kids, so I'll be doing 
just uh, stuff with kids and um, teaching English and hospitality, um, just basic stuff that, that you do here. Yeah. Um, then we're also there to do essentially discipleship and evangelism. Um, yeah, this is a kids' work. Um, there's, a, there's a strong movement among the children there, especially in the East. So their parents and then their grandparents, they're all atheists, right? So it's not like America atheists, like I choose not to believe in God. They just don't know God. They, there's no God. They were made fun of if there was a God. So these children are growing up without the sense of a God. <clears throat> and the Spirit, this is a, like a week-long camp, and um, the Holy Spirit just falls upon these children, and they great things happen, and then they go home, and they tell their parents, their parents, and there's a church started. Anyways, it's really fantastic how the, the Lord will move with those who want to know him and want to hear him. Yeah. And we were actually at this camp, this was about four years ago, and helped out, and we saw the Holy Spirit do things among these kids I've never, ever seen before. I mean, kids getting healed, kids preaching over other kids. Um, uh, kids with words of prophecy even coming up to me and telling me things like, what? <laughs> I miss it really amazing. Um, so God has many ways. Um, we are also there to do and prepare for a church planting. This church um, intends to plant a new, another church in a few years, and there's already a place picked out, some people picked out. Um, to work with. I met with some of them. So that'll be kind of a long-term thing that we'll be working towards. Um, but the German denomination really has, I mean, they have mission on their hearts. They had it, they, their plan was to do 100 churches in 10 years. And they didn't quite make it. They only got 68. But I mean, pretty good. But they're, it's, they're working on it. And they just have such a heart that is, I mean, just to, to be there among them and see the starkness of that situation and their heart for mission is really motivating, I have to say. <clears throat> and lastly, we are there to work with refugees and assist with refugees. Um, yeah, by the way, this is, this is a kind of, a, I'll just deviate a second for a quick story. These are just tons of apartment buildings with thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people with zero witness, no church. And in the eastern part, um, this is all in the East. So they have no real concept of God. And so um, in every little section of the city has like a center. And every center um, kind of had typically had a church in it, an old church. That's so just what when you they, do. So when they built do. a new section, they built a, a tower and a steeple, right? It even has a cross on it. But there's no church. It was built by atheists. They don't know. So they sent out a letter to a bunch of churches and said, hey, um, if you have anybody to send, we have a, few, a free room for you. We have a building for you. Just send your people. Uh, you can have it. To this date, no one has occupied it because there are not enough Christians or pastors to come and fill that. The state church has been spread very thin, so they don't see the point of yeah. So, so there we go. So we're working with, so with refugees. Um, again, uh, Germany leads the the nations in accepting refugees um, by, I don't know what the number is, by at least tenfold um, compared to anybody else. And uh, I've met a lot of those people, and um, you're going to hear from a lady um, who traveled 12 hours from She's southern Germany. She's a mom with four kids. To help out with refugees in Berlin. 
Okay, do one more. I'm here with Doris, and this is in Berlin. And Doris is uh, in a part of Berlin, and she's come here to work with refugees. And she's going to tell us a little bit about what she does and why she's here. Yes, my name is Doris. I came here this week and to work with refugees here because here are a lot of refugees but I also work in my city with my husband and a lot of students. We have students from the Bible College and we have right 200 meters far from our house. We have a big house with about five to 700 refugees. So we go every week and I take the part for the children. We have a room, we have about 30 to 50, about 50 children and we play with them. We start to teach them German and we have just fellowship with them and the most of them come from Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, where there is war and they come, they really, really need to know people here to come, to love them, to play with them, to show interest to them and especially this I believe is our um, opportunity to go there and bring the gospel. Um, do you need help? Do you, oh, yes. Are Americans needed? Yes, we need help everywhere because we have a guy who goes there and to play football with them, some who will teach them German, some speak a little bit English. Yes, and our heart, our heart is to bring them the gospel because I believe God opened the door mm-hmm. so that people, we couldn't go there to Afghanistan, to Syria, you get killed if you go mm-hmm. and speak the gospel. But here they are, and we can preach them the gospel. We have the opportunity to go and we sing songs with them. They don't speak any German, any English, so we take the opportunity to give them love with hands and feet. Mm-hmm. But they will learn the language, and this is our opportunity, especially as Christians, and we mm. go and bring them the Gospels. And we experience a lot of things. Many, 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 many get saved. They get to know, we know here in the area, in, in Germany, we know a lot of refugees get saved, get filled with the Holy Spirit, get healed, and they hear the Gospel, and they are so surprised, they want to have Jesus. And so this is a big, big, big opportunity to go and to work under this wonderful people. Mm. And mm. we need help us, we need people who have a heart mm-hmm. for this, that they go, mm-hmm. they're ready to give up mm-hmm. everything and come and work with them. It's mm-hmm. a big, big, big open door and I think God gave us this people so that we can bring the gospel mm-hmm. in a good way. So we have many, many ways. They need everything. Mm-hmm. And the most, I do it, I don't get any salary for this. I don't get anything. I'm a mother, I have four children, but my heart and my husband also goes. And we mm. go there and bring them the love of God, and the door is very open. Mm. Doris, thank you very, very much, and really appreciate it. And God bless you. Thank you. So, um, we are hoping and planning to go in um, August, that's when we'd like to be there. I was just there, and, and somebody made an apartment available to us, so that, that would be available exactly then. But we all know God's timing isn't always our timing. If you click a few times there, and I think we'll get... Um, our initially, we're planning on being there for two years, but um, hopefully longer, too, as, as, but the initial part will be two years. Um, and obviously, we have a lot of support to raise, 
uh, financial and prayer. And uh, so we're looking for partners. We're going to hand out some little um, bookmarks, and, there's, and it has a link to our blog. And just go on there. It, just click on the blog and sign up for the newsletter. At the very least, we want to be an information channel to the church because we hear, you know, our, our news channels don't always provide the best information, especially with regard to refugees and what's going on in Europe. And so we want to be able to provide some better information at the very least. And so you can follow that um, without any obligation of any sort. I put the bookmarks out on the mission, missionary table. Yeah. So, um, Christy, you want, is going to say a little something about um, right, so um, we, since the making of that last slide, we've um, gotten to a third of our finances raised, which is great. Um, but we um, would like to, instead of just massive prayer, set up prayer teams. Maybe some people would like to pray for our children who will be here and we won't be here. Um, our, our parents who are aging. Um, maybe, some, you know, there's... Anyways, just different prayer teams and prayer pockets for different things would be, would be great. Um, if you can give monthly or maybe you can give one time, that would be great. I see that you, you support many missionaries, so that's really awesome. It's very commendable. Um, some are called to go and some aren't, and so we feel a strong calling to go. And you can support um, maybe your children's ministry can send letters to the refugee kids and we'll back and forth, that's, that sort of thing. So there's all sorts of connections that are great between churches, I think. Yeah. So... Um, God is at work, and God is a missionary God. God has a concern for the world. He has a concern for us. He has a concern for our neighborhood and those we know and in our families. And so um, I just would like to ask that we would pray with me, if you would like to pray with me. And God, we just want to thank you this morning for your great heart. We want to thank you, God, for your great work among many people in the world in ways that we would never imagine. We thank you, God, that you are also at work in our families and with those we work with, with those we go to school with, among our kids. We thank you, uh, God, for that your arm extends to us all. We would ask, Lord, that you would, again, show us today um, what you would want us to do, that we might represent you. In Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.